Hi, I'm Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, and this is Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. I am joined, as always, by my co-founder, Rich Ciotti. Hello. Rich, we're doing something weird today. I don't know about weird. Weird. I think it's natural. Cool. Feel, it's feeling natural to me. We are going to go down the street. Yeah. We're going to stand up and go down the street to the SVA Theater around 8th Avenue and 23rd Street. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get in front of 100, 200 people. And we're going to record track changes in front of those people. That's insane. And uh, this is the IXDA Interaction Design Education Focused Summit. Yes. We have no business doing this. We're not. Why would people ask us to do anything? But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so we, go. we got but a hot topic. Wait, before we embark on this journey, we oh. should tell people that tonight, if you happen to be in the San Francisco area. That's right. Tuesday, February 7th, 2017. There will be drinks with Rich and Paul. At Whitechapel. That's right. If you can make it, come out for a drink. We'll buy you a drink. We will. We're going to put the credit card down on that one. We're, we'll, we're usually in New York City. We're, worth noting. So we're out in San Francisco. Drop us a line. We're going to be at the Nuco Shift Forum. Meeting and greeting. Selling services. Talking the walk. Well, yeah. Entrepreneuring. <laughs> it's going to be fun. But anyway, come have a drink. We'd love to meet you if you're a fan of the podcast. And uh, even if you don't have a seven-figure deal for us to discuss, we still want to shake your hand. We do. All right, let's go down the block and let's let an audience judge our podcasting skills. Exactly. Okay, you're this. about to hear some audience noise. It's about to get real weird. Let's do this. Hello, 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 hello. All right, so we've never done this before. We've never done a live, semi-live uh, version of our podcast, Track Changes. Okay, we've got 29 minutes and 51 seconds. Let's, let's just set it up like we usually do. Um, hi, my name is Paul Ford, and I am the co-founder of Postlight. And I'm Rich Ciotti, the other co-founder of Postlight. And you are listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight. You might have heard that name before. A digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Thank you for listening. Rich, what are we going to talk about on our podcast that comes out Tuesday morning? We're going to throw a question out and focus on that question. Okay. Because this, you know, this is an event about design education. Right. We found that out after we came up with the question. Right. But it comes together at some point. We'll fit it in. We'll, we'll make it, it work. So you might have heard of a company called Twitter. And just this week, in fact, we saw a quote from the former CEO of Twitter. This is from Dick Costolo, former CEO of Twitter. I wish I could turn back the clock and go back to 2010 and stop abuse on the platform by creating a very specific bar for how to behave on the platform. Now he tells us, Paul. Yeah. That's we, a heavy statement. That's actually. a heavy statement. And you know, that's a reaction to the fact that we're living in an era in which Twitter is one of the primary vehicles of communication for the President of the United States. It is. And it's... Now, I'm, pause for a second. That's a really positive statement standing on its own. That's right. Right? It sounds like it could be okay. It sounds like it's going well. It sounds well. like everything's going well. But it's really, really not. Well, let's not jump to conclusions. Okay, okay. Actually... So there's two Twitter accounts, right? There's POTUS, which is the President of the United States. Barack Obama has that. Donald Trump has that now. And then there's 
uh, real Donald J. Trump. Correct. And it's worth noting, POTUS gets handed off the same way they hand off the White House and they hand off the staff. It's sort of property of the U.S. government. It's sort of property of the U.S. government. So I think upon Trump swearing in, I think they archived... They archived Barack Obama's tweets, put them somewhere else. They put them in POTUS 44, actually. They and the it. understanding was kind of like, and Barack Obama did this, he sort of stopped tweeting as Barack Obama for the most part. For the most part. And started to tweet as, first at the White House and later, much later, as the at POTUS account. But the idea is this is the official channel. You're the president. You're going to talk through Correct. a presidential channel. This has not happened. Real Donald J. Trump continues to broadcast to 22, 23 million followers. Which is the other Twitter account, which is the account that is is his own personal account, which he's had for years. Now, the issue is, if you look around online, as more and more things come out from the President of the United States through that Twitter account, more and more people have started to ask Twitter, often addressing at Jack, who is the new CEO, Jack Dorsey, of Twitter, saying, delete this account. They want to delete Donald Trump's account. They want Twitter, in fact, to delete Donald Trump's account because they feel that Donald Trump, who is the President of the United States, is harassing. Well, I wouldn't even jump to that rationale as to why they want to delete it. There is a sentiment out there that Twitter should delete Donald Trump's account. And I think the motivations and the, the, the emotions behind it vary pretty widely. I think I don't think anybody's going in and looking up the terms of service and saying, wait a minute, guys, he's violating terms of service. I think there's, some, there's a lot going on. A lot here. of emotion here. It's very intense. Yeah. So the question that we want to pose for the, the rest of the podcast is, should Twitter delete real Donald J. Trump off of Twitter? And so the way we're, we're asking everyone in this room to be the CEO and, and to think as the CEO, a sort of, not just as Jack, but as, as sort of as a virtual CEO of Twitter. And we're going to walk through the decision-making process that we imagine that would be involved to even consider and start to understand this question at the scope of a company like Twitter. Twitter is you know, $20 billion, $20 billion company with by market cap. It has 1,500 employees. Big company. Um, it's a big company. So uh, it, has, it has to answer to a lot. And this is a big decision. Right. And it, maybe we should say something about why we're, we're bringing this up at a design conference, at an education design conference. True. Right? A lot of conversation in our business is about skills. It's about tools and skills. So interaction design, information architecture, you start to, when I say those words, you start to see boxes in your head. You start to see grids and lines and think about Sketch and think about, you know, Figma and all the other tools that everybody's talking about. The reality... Clark from InVision. No, is it Clark? What's his name? Clark from InVision. Clark from InVision. We've tried to get him on our podcast. He won't reply. We've been trying to get Clark. We we got his email address. We're trying to get him on the podcast. We've sent him five emails and we got in touch with their VC. Of course, the idiot emails me twice a week. It's worth noting. It hurts. It It hurts hurts now because we want Clark from InVision on our our show. Um, but we talk a lot about these tools, but we want to sort of dramatize the real product decisions and the way that design doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in a very specific cultural context because personally, as people who hire designers, engineers, product managers, the more people can think this way, the better. And so imagine you're the CEO of Twitter and everyone's telling you, delete his account. Right. What's the first thing you do? Well, I mean, as a CEO, there are a lot of different sort of 
wings to the business that report up to you. And a lot of different, you know, different people represent different facets of the business, right? And so this is a big move. We right? got to talk across the disciplines, get all the across input the we disciplines, can. Okay. Right? So first, technically, it's a pretty easy one. Let's can go we, to tech. Can we do this? Can we do this? So you're the tech guy. Walk in. I'll be the CEO. Okay. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I got a question for you, big one, but you can't tell anybody. Sure. No, for real. You can't tweet this out. I promise. I know you have a secret account. Don't do it. Right. Go. All right. Can we erase Donald Trump's Twitter account? Can we? Can I go can, can we and shut it down for pull her? up a console and erase his account? Yeah. Yeah. I could do it right now. It'll take a minute. That's it? It's just a minute? Yeah. No problem. Because it's just like a regular harassment scenario. No big deal. Well, I don't really care why you're asking me to delete it, but I can delete it. Technically, I, I wouldn't really delete it. I just shut it off. So all I have to say is hit the red button. Yep. All right. So that's I mean, all I, I, I'd probably be pretty careful about it. He's got a lot of followers out there, and the way it trickles out might be interesting, but yeah, I can do it. So no you might problem. want to have a couple meetings, make sure it's all good. Yeah. It's a big account. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's followed by millions of people. Do you people. see any reason specifically not to? Not to from a technical perspective? Yeah. No. Because that's the only reason I'm talking to you. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> So, so that's it. We've dispatched technology. Okay. I mean, really, we're done at this point. We could just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Just let me know. Okay. So no big deal. Yeah. All right. So that's, so that's tech. We're done. In yeah. fact, if I want to do it, I can just go into the console. Yep. I could say, make me a big red button. I mean, if you want if a big red button, two, I can do that for you as well. If I woke well. up at two in the morning, I'm like, to hell with it, enough. I could give you that tool. All right. If you really want to do it that way, yes. All right. So that's where we're at from a technical perspective on deleting this account. So now legals walked in the room, yes. and actually they're, they're like 15 minutes late. It's fine. Um, <laughs> they're grumpy. And this one, I have no idea. What, 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 is, what is the issue here? Like, why, do I, why does legal even need to be in the room? Well, uh, am I legal now? Yeah, be legal. Can I be legal? Yeah. Okay. Rich is a lawyer. People may not know that. Was a lawyer. Was a lawyer. Recovering lawyer. So we got to check a few things here. When, when people sign up to Twitter, Donald Trump included, they agree to a set of terms that essentially establishes a, an agreement between the service and the user. So that's uh, the terms of service. That's the terms of service. Nobody's we, ever read the terms of service. Most people don't read the terms of service. We do need that flag that they check off, that they read the terms of service, and that they agree to it. So, so there's some polite fiction that they, they have engaged into this contract. Correct. And okay. most of the, a lot of the terms of service is what they shouldn't do. Uh, that's in there. And in fact, Twitter points to a set of rules that say that you agree to abide by the rules. Uh, and actually, we just recently updated those rules. Harassment's become a big problem on Twitter. So we actually have a set of guidelines that you have to, you have to adhere to. And if you don't, uh, we have the right to shut you off. And we do this all the time, by the way. Mm-hmm. We are shutting people off that are, for example, uh, inciting violence, uh, harassing others, infringing on copyrights. Probably posting certain kinds of pornography or Posting certain types okay. of pornography. We will... We so there's will a legal framework you. for Twitter turning there somebody is. off. There is. And so what you need to do, and I haven't done this yet, is rummage through his tweets to see if any violate our terms. So you're saying, well, wait, I'm Twitter. I kind of own the whole system. I'm the CEO. Yes. Can I, can I turn anyone off for any reason at all? No. No, I can't? No. But I got the big red button. Well, look, you could. I'm speaking from a legal perspective. If you did that, then we are exposed legally. 
So, and someone so, could come after us and say, that's really, that's not cool, that's not fair, I'm going to sue you because you violated our agreement. Oh, so the terms of service is actually two ways. It's an agreement, that's right. Okay, so there, I, I have actually, even though you've never given me any money or anything, I, ha I am kind of obligated to you as a user. That's right. Right now, the understanding that I have, because I haven't turned off Donald Trump, is that this is a two-way relationship and I kind of owe him I'm going to follow the rules on his yeah, behalf. Yeah, I could forward you one of the um, emails we'd send out when we shut someone off. We do share the criteria and the reason and the tweets that led us to that decision, and we, we send that along so people have an idea of why we did it. All right, so you're my lawyer. I, you, I can go back in. I could find evidence of harassment. I mean, I could almost like I'd just poke through those old tweets inciting violence, like every president ever has incited violence at some level, right? At some level. Okay, so it's very likely I can prove my case. It is likely you can prove your case. I will point out, though, even though this feels like we've got this buttoned up, this is a very powerful person mm -hmm. with a lot of resources who can go ahead and sue us anyway. Okay, and but, but lawsuits, I, no big deal. I mean, we can handle that, right? Well, there's a, there's a couple of dimensions to it. One is Lawsuits can be very costly and very and really draining. Um, okay. But the other thing is, uh, lawsuits can look really bad, right? And and if we're, you know, half of the headlines in the world are about Twitter getting sued uh, or the progress of the lawsuit, that's just not a good scene for Twitter, right? So there's a lot going on here, right? I mean, this is a, this is an individual who, in fact, has used the law not to necessarily win lawsuits, but to uh, intimidate. And How so? to, Wait, uh, what do you mean? Well, you could sue someone uh, and, oh, and go after them. Oh, this is someone who's sued lots and lots of people. He's sued lots of so people in the past. So we can assume that the President of the United States is going to sue Twitter like crazy for violation of the terms of service. That, I, I, again, I don't know if he will, but there's a good chance that uh, we're going to be in a bad situation there. So it's not really just a, a matter of reading the fine print and whether he's adhering to it or not. It's also a matter of whether it's worth it for Twitter from a legal okay. perspective. The, the employees want to do this. What do you, as my lawyer, what do you say? From a legal perspective? Mm -hmm. uh, are you asking me if, he's, if it, we would be in violation of our own terms? Yes. We would not be in violation of our own terms. We okay. can do this from a strictly legal perspective. Which, and also ethically then, we have a, like we've entered into this agreement. Uh, let's not equate the law with ethics now. That's a much <laughs> larger conversation, Paul, <laughs> right? But nonetheless, I could, if I wanted to go to sleep at night saying, I followed to the letter of the law the agreement that I entered into. Correct. I probably could do that. I could shut this thing off. I could hit my big red button. Yes, you could. Okay. Yes, you could. All right, so that's that. We've talked to the lawyer. Correct. Now, as I said, you should probably talk to public relations right. if you're going to make this move. All right, so let's, let's, let's be PR here. So the CEO says, hey, we're going to shut off the big one. We're going to do it. Right. I got the red button. Legal says we can do it. Everybody wants to do it. There's a little give and take as to whether it's the right thing. But if we do it, what, what's going to happen? Uh, it's going to be a lot of attention on Twitter, for sure. It'll be very, very big news. Yeah, well, we're not hurting for attention or big news right now. Uh, I'm taking a lot of heat from people who are telling me that, uh, that, that they want this thing gone. True. But I, as, a, as your PR person, I'm thinking about the whole audience for Twitter. And while... You found some reasons here. This is someone that got elected president. Mm -hmm. There is a huge swath of the country that helped him get elected. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of those are our users, are they? 
Um, you'd be surprised. Okay. Um, in fact, he's speaking to many of them through Twitter. Right Are they now. maybe signed? Okay, so yeah, some of them probably signed up just for him. Yeah, and let's put aside him for a second. The story. I'm not going to be able to get version five that's coming out and the crazy new feature and the new agreement we've got coming with the NBA. So for, for I can't months. get a. I, I, yeah, this is going to be the loudest thing that's happening for a pretty long time. So. This is, this well, is, is that a risk, be... or is it us making a bold stand? Maybe people will stand up behind us and say, great job, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I hate the guy. I'm public relations right now for a yeah. second, so I say shut it, shut it off, but you should just know that I'm not going to be able to do my job for a while. Okay, so this is the only story about Twitter for the next... It's going to be a pretty big story, yeah. Now, you talk about bold stance... And you're taking a position here, which is you feel like, I guess, is the right position to take, right? Well, it's a complicated one because for years we talked about free speech and how we were a platform for free right. speech. Right. But now we're seeing, and there's kind of two classes of users on Twitter, right? There's the maybe less than 100 followers can kind of say anything they want, occasionally get reported for stuff, but are kind of talking either to their friends, favoriting their friends, yeah. so on and so forth. So those are almost the civilians. And that thing works like any network, it's like the, you know, the phone system. It's, it's fairly personal. Every now and then someone gets like a thousand retweets. Are you still the CEO? I'm just thinking out loud here for Okay, because there's someone else who wants to speak to you. Oh, investor relations came in. Yeah, I heard about your bold stance and about free speech. It's worth noting we're, we're a $13 billion public company. And uh, I've got an investor community that I have to answer to. And, uh, well, what power do they really have? Well, you've got a fiduciary duty as an officer of the company to uh, take care of its investors. Now, you shouldn't break the law, mm -hmm. but you really, uh, you're doing something here that we, we, we consider to be the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. So wait, what Twitter. are they worried about? Well, if you do this, a couple of problems arise. First of all, you just alluded to the fact that we are neutral that's right. And we do not inject ourselves into the well, content. Well, we are, but right? now we have all these people with millions and millions of followers, and it tests the limits of free speech if they do something harassing or, or even vaguely weird. It just becomes a, a huge debacle in our system. Yeah. So we want to get rid of this thing that's causing us so much stress, and I think over the next five to ten years, that will turn out to be a great business decision. Well, I, I don't know if that's going to play out that way. I don't think it's going to play out that way. I think what will happen is uh, it will be incredibly divisive in terms of the perception of Twitter and what Twitter is. Right now, you're right. We are utility today, and, and that's, that well, insulates a us from a ton of criticism. Salesforce almost bought us. They were thinking about it. Yeah, the reason they didn't buy us is because they saw all the negativity that was happening on the platform. Right, so this is a source of that negativity. Let's yeah. get rid of it. Let's get our value up. Let's, you know, this could be a $30 billion company the next day. Yeah, but I think once you do that, it's going to amplify. Uh, it's going to be very polarizing. You're going to have a lot of positive response and a ton of negative response, and it's just going to be, it's going to be chaos. Effectively, you're stepping into editorial here once you do this. Can you, uh, can you stop me, though? As investor relations? Yes, the board can stop you. I will recommend to the board that they remove you. Really? Yes. If I go ahead and do this? Well, before you do it, I'm going to recommend... I got a board... red button right here. I know, and it's freaking me out, I can honestly. turn this crap off in five minutes. Just, I can end this whole thing. <laughs> right here. Stay away from the red button for a minute. All right, all right. Uh, I think it's very hazardous to the financial health of the company. 
if you did that. So you're willing to go into, like, you're going to take this to the brink. We're going to have this fight. Yes. If you're investor relations. I, one more quick thought from an investor perspective. A lot of our promotions, a lot of our, our clients really speak to an audience that is very pro-Trump. Uh, and so we would lose all that business. So we lose Fox News, but I bet, you know, Kim Kardashian will be fine with it. Well, uh, yeah. Although some will be fine and some won't. Kanye West hazardous. is a Trump fan. Okay, so, yeah. so you're worried that like some of our 5, 10 million follower users might start to freak out about the platform. You know, yes, that. And, but more than that, I think people will view us as a company with a particular position and will think much more warily about doing business with us as a company because of that. Because you don't think this is a universal rejection. You think some people do want to hear this guy. Not just that. I think people will read, okay, well, what's Twitter going to do next? Okay. So if they'll shut off somebody with 22 million followers on their own platform. That's right. That's then right. they will do anything. They'll that, do anything. So whatever, whatever moral system they follow, the thing that I perceive, the product I use, they can change it in any way. Correct. Depending on how they feel that day. That's right. And that's very scary. So if I'm an, inv if I'm an investor, I'm terrified of that decision. Very much so. It's hard. Okay, I can see that point. Somebody else wants to speak to you, by the way. Who wants to talk to me now? Design. What's he doing here? All right. So this is, we're getting to the end here. We're starting to wind it down. Yeah. I don't even know why I would need to talk to design. I mean, I got a red button. We shut it off. We've removed people before. Do you want to stay the CEO and I'll be design, or do you want to switch? I'll it? be design. Okay. Well, no, we can, we're, all, we're all design in this room. We're all designers. Everyone's a CEO, yes. but we're all design. All right, yes. so what does design want to do? Twitter is 93% content. There are buttons and some trimmings around it. But the it's system, got that little video thing on the bottom left now. Yep. It's got that. That's great. The service is its users, and its users make up the service. Mm -hmm. You can't do this. Why? Why couldn't because you do this? Millions of our users wake up every morning looking forward to what real Donald Trump tweeted. Donald J. Trump, yeah. It's part of the Twitter experience. Well, what about all the people who hate him? I sympathize with those people. And they can find a lot of people that they like. That's kind of the beauty of Twitter. In fact, much of the people that you follow and I follow are, reinforce a lot of what I love about Twitter and share a lot of the terrible things and criticize those things. But you can't, the moment you do that, you are breaking the pact between this incredible service and its community of users. So in practical terms, I turn off this account, the account can no longer post, and all of the old tweets suddenly get removed from the database, essentially. Like, not really, but you can't see them. So people who replied to him, whatever, those tweets are gone. That's right. The account is gone. Right. And if you're really going to do this, we need to talk about how we communicate it and how, how we take care of those users that are about to experience something very jarring and very disruptive. Okay, so what do we do? You don't do it. You don't do it because no. it'll just break the platform. It'll just break the platform. What if we left all the old tweets up so that the timeline still worked but didn't let them tweet anything new? The appeal of Twitter is its aliveness. Okay, I mean, archive, fine, but it's really about what's next. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason people open it. 20 times a day. So from a product perspective, from a design perspective, if we do this, we're going to fundamentally alter the experience of the whole platform. I believe, I mean, someone this prominent on this platform uh, will do so. You know, I, I, again, I, I like the PR person, I hate the guy too, but you're going to undermine the credibility of the platform. You're going to harm the relationship between the platform and its users. 
you know, I'm here because I don't just design buttons and, and, and graphics. I, I, I think a lot about the relationship between this product and the people that use it. All right, so is the only thing that could have solved this situation is going back in time and saying to Dick Costolo, make these changes. I think Dick Costolo's quote is ridiculous, by the way. Why is that? This is you talking as rich now. I'm rich yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. You can hear the voice change. Yeah, actually. I think it's Get a... the guy, Jesus. It's a, it's, a, it's a ridiculous quote because it's hindsight, right? Twitter's appeal and it's... He do, he's not mentioning the positive things that Twitter does, and he's not fully processing that those things that he thought he could do to, to not let it be polluted with negativity would also have stopped those incredibly positive things from happening. Like it, I think Twitter is, is, is this sort of product of just human communication that is, we don't even really understand fully yet. And so for him to go back and say in 2000, oh, I want to do this and that and this, it probably would have never been what it is today in terms of its scale and its influence and all that. So I think it's a ridiculous. So we can't go back in time. We're here. We have this account. We do have tremendous harassment problems across the platform. It is a problem. And it is a problem that trying to attack but not doing, I, from what I understand, a very great job of but, it. But what we're saying here is that even so, you have to separate this account from the larger harassment problems. Yes. Well, I think if, you, if you're serious about this, you, this is a retroactive move. I think that's the challenge with this, is that everybody's kind of losing their minds right now because we have a knucklehead in the White House. Am I allowed? I, yeah, you can, you can say okay. it. We're going to take that a position as a company. We'll take that position as a company. And so it's very scary. So you feel like, you know what? We got to pull the emergency switch This here. person, this is his loudest megaphone. That's right. That's right. But the, the, in reality, what you, what you have is Twitter really trying to catch up to what's happening. I think they changed their harassment policy and how they address it a few months ago. Sure. They've mistaken. started hiring and, and putting some very good people in charge of harassment. That's right. And, and I think what the challenge with that is for someone at this scale, like at this with this much reach is it's very tricky, very tricky because they're they're walking a very hard line. Twitter's weird right now. It's sort of apocalypse, and then I get a, a promoted ad to buy a graphics card in the middle of right, it. right, or it's lost sauce. its shit. Yeah, right? can I say shit? Yeah, you can. This we're safe. So I think it's really. I think I don't think they know the right formula, and I think Twitter needs to just focus on what's going to keep it intact, rather than say, oh, for policy reasons, we should shut off Donald. All right, so we've, we've heard from the team. What about the users? Because they have a voice here. They, have a, they build the platform. They are the content. And they want the, a lot of people. Let's say it's... Do you follow Trump? Uh, you don't have to. But exactly. So as a user, you don't follow Trump, mm -hmm. right? CNBC, if I'm not mistaken, every time he tweets... Trump tweets! They, they like hold it up mm -hmm. because... The traders and the finance people need yeah. to know about it. No, there's like, a, there's like graphics that fly in. It's right. like a new if tweet. If the guy's got like acid reflux, we mm -hmm. could lose a billion dollars. He's cranky about Boeing that day. Or whatever. Exactly, yeah. whatever it may be. Right. So that's, that's real, right? So I don't follow him. Yeah. And you don't follow him. And he doesn't get in my way. But he's going to make it into the news because the news can't help itself. Right? So you're media, thinking this thing, whole thing is like a bomb in a, in a spy movie. And if they cut that account, it's the wrong wire. Everything blows up. I'm not in Twitter anymore. I'm not inside of Twitter. Right. I think they should cut the account. To be, I mean, I'll speak you do, personally. personally. Yeah, cut the account, right? Just end this thing. Yeah, I mean, will it end Twitter? I think it may end Twitter. 
Okay. If, if they cut the account. I think they'll get thousands of lawsuits. I think they'll be, uh, and the implications will be massive. But That's why I think Twitter won't do it. Ethically and personally, because I agree with you, partly because I love chaos, but partly because it's like enough. This is not good for the world yeah. to have that kind of amplification. It's like, yeah. we, the, the, our culture hasn't figured out how to metabolize and understand free speech like that. Yeah. Look, I, I don't, I'm not even saying cut the account so the world can be a better place, right? I mean, he's in a very powerful position. He'll have other ways to cause chaos. He's still going to have POTUS. He'll have that account. He's got yeah. 14 million followers. I'm just, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I think as a company they can't do it. I think I could be persuaded that they shouldn't do it um, because I like Twitter for other reasons. But I say cut, the, I find, I just find it annoying. Like the whole thing is, it's, I get more angry at, at the Washington Post putting so much focus on it is what freaks me out. All right, so hit pause. In this room, show of hands, how many people think delete the account? Very mixed. Very interesting. Very mixed. Fewer people think delete the account. How many people are like, don't delete the account? Overwhelmingly don't delete the account. Overwhelmingly, and I think that's a thoughtful, correct answer. I would do it just, like, I'm like you. I just want to see the world kind of go insane. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the most exciting thing that could happen. Yeah. It's also, I, am, I feel I like. plans this weekend, so yeah. I want to see the account. I feel we're delivered. getting hit with the stick, and it's just a stick where you could kind of hit back and just, wow, okay, now it's a real fight. Right. It's like Pacific Rim. Like, yeah. now you got, like, kaiju monsters and, and robots just really <laughs> smashing the crap right. out of each other. Right. But I think, you know, this highlights something we see all the time in, in the shop at Postlight is especially because we deal with clients and deal with the family stuff they're dealing with inside their companies, how design isn't just purely about color, typography, and beautiful design. It's so much, there's a lot that swirls around it that influences it. There's as much of this conversation, so we use this because, of course, this is hot, it's in the, it's in the public eye, everybody would understand what we were talking about. But every conversation we have with a client ends up looking like this. It's us going, there's this department, there's this issue, these people want, want this. And there are conversations like this that happen and happen and happen before you can open a program and, and draw a rectangle. And so, you know. And throughout, as you present that user experience or whatever it may be, you'll get responses from legal. You'll get responses from uh, marketing saying, oh, you're, it's a little too much there or right. whatever it may be. So I think, you know, the, the... Send for my iPad. Yeah. And I don't know, how do you translate that into, into teaching? That's hard. I think you just got to be out there and... A little role playing, I think having role people... Role playing could be helpful. Having people from the industry come in and having people pitch to them and have them tell you why your big idea will actually get smashed right. is really helpful. Uh, and, and one of the things I like to talk about in the class at the School of Visual Arts is, is how ideas, when you actually get into the real territory of the organization, if you want to get your new video player into the homepage of the New York Times, how many people, how many stakeholders are there who already have a vested interest in how it works? And if you start to work those numbers out, like a little video, like a little icon on a, on a given web page of any significant size, you can easily realize that there are 35, 40 people who will have a very strong opinion about what that rectangle looks like. Oh, yeah. And you can't make design change unless you've played those things through. So we're sitting here, like the world is saying, delete your account to Donald Trump, but that, this is the conversation that would have to happen over and over and over again exactly. before that could even happen, before that red button could, yeah. could happen. We've had, we've had prospects come to us at Postlight and 
they'll come to us, A, because they think we're great. Yeah. But B. Little marketing. But B, they'd rather not navigate the project through their organization. They'd rather have it happen outside and then drop it and, and, and you know, turn it, you know, produce something really impressive and then use that, draft behind that as the way to navigate politically to get something through. Ammunition, because they can't get anything built. So they're like, you build a, you yeah. build a prototype for us so that I can use it to scare everybody else, and then we'll get something built. Versus, hey, Jim, can I speak to you for a minute? I've got a really great idea. These are the pathologies of the real world right. of, of this work. And so I think education has often neglected those pathologies in our discipline. And if there's a larger argument to take out of this, that's, that's yeah. what we're pushing. I've so, said this quote on, on the podcast previously. My old law professor used to say it all the time. It's the right thing is easy. Unfortunately, people are involved. And especially with like when you have a, a strong feeling, when, when you ever get that feeling as a designer, when it's like, ah, this is so right. And then you're about to present it, and it's like you're, someone's telling you your baby is ugly. Right? Oh, yeah. And it's a hard thing. And, and that's something that through, through experience and maturity, you come to understand that not everybody's going to, you know, coo and you gotta learn to see them. You have thing. to learn to see them coming. You yeah. got to know. So look, cool. we've talked. We uh, have time for questions. If anybody has any questions or observations. Okay. Hello, Jan Christoph Zöls, Experiencia. As Hitler came into power, he used the radio and the airplane to his advantage. I think outlawing at that time radio or the airplane would not have addressed it. I think the problem was appeasement. So I think the question for us as designers today, what do we do different? How do we built in alternative viewpoints, not alternative facts, identify these ones instead, and essentially open a wider range of discussion to actually take away this yeah, anti-humanistic message which he is actually perpetrating there every day. So I think the question outlawing is the wrong question, is what are the alternatives which we can foster and how do we strengthen these different views? It's a great question. So I think, look, I'll, let me try and then you take it. It's what I see that's very complicated with social media and with the way that the internet works is that there's a built-in reward for a certain kind of virality and primal human behavior where anger and rage and often, and as we saw with a lot of the fake news stuff, lies just travel really, really fast to lots of people, much faster than boring truth travels. And because of the way the internet advertising works, there is an economic advantage to it working that way. The money starts to pour in. And so then you're suddenly there's this real lag because it's really hard to stop sources of money from flowing. People yeah. don't love it. Yeah. I try, to be opti I, I try to be optimistic about this and that it, this is still a new medium. Like, I, if I'm not mistaking newspapers when they first started out, there was a lot of muckraking and just the very tabloidy and just because well, the muckraking was good, but yeah, the the, the was, standard for journalistic truth took decades and almost centuries to emerge. Right, and so we've got a new medium here that we just don't know how to cope with. I mean, the other argument is that just fundamentally humans are garbage. Yeah, so you got to work around that. You got to work around that. Let the good stuff rise up. I mean, this is tricky. I don't. I, it'd be great to just offer an answer, right? Like, how could you structure this? the internet so that this sort of behavior wouldn't thrive and, and transmitted, you know, content like this wouldn't transmit itself so quickly. And there's so, there's millions of answers and none of them have been proven. So yeah. it's an 
awkward and ugly, possibly exciting time to be alive, because nobody knows. Nobody knows how to get, put this back in the box. Yeah, you know, if growth is what drives, I mean, this company went public because they had significant growth. That was their motiv primary motivator. And if someone had come in and said, look, people are being rude to each other. We need to button this thing down. And here is a, a much stricter set of guidelines that everyone has to adhere to. You know, the motivations and the, the machine that was pushing to continue to grow and to take it public would have just trounced it, right? It, it just, this is not a public, you know, freely open public entity that is out there just so we can all talk to it. It feels that way because it's free and we no, can No, but it's all... not like a government project. It's not it's a government not... project. Their, their job was to make, a, you know, a handful of people a lot of money. It and looks so... like the commons, but it's not the commons. Right. So right. there's some guy in legal who keeps writing guidelines and nobody listens to him. Right. There are good people in legal. You just have to find them. <laughs> Hi, I'm Diana. Hi, Diana. So you gave us two choices between deleting the account or keeping the account. And I'm wondering about a third possibility since Twitter is a platform and we're all designers. What about designing a mechanism that puts it to the users? And I'm not talking about just simple voting, but let's face it, I mean, 140 characters, one to many, was an interesting mechanism and the users figured out what to do with it. Um, what if we give people a way to you know, I don't know, model, <laughs> yeah. you know, what the possible outcomes are. I mean, I mean, that's worth pursuing. That is exciting. Do you put a little red checkbox by people who are saying really bad things? You know, there's an old email client I used to use called Eudora that would read. <laughs> that's and that's this the was, biggest applause we got today. I was gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> and there was this feature they'd thrown in, in a beta, that they took out. And what happened was, when you wrote an email, it would scan your email, and if you had like profanity in it or whatever, they would score you on hot peppers. And if you had more hot peppers, the email would sit in your, it wouldn't get sent for a while. So if you had five hot peppers, it wouldn't get sent for an hour. If you had three hot peppers, it would get sent for a half hour. And you gotta wonder, if they, had, if they paused Trump's tweet, I get, you gotta imagine that if, if he wrote it and it didn't get sent, and says, look, you're going to have to come back here in four hours and send it if a lot of the same stuff w would happen. I uh, mean, he's an unusual case, but with many people, probably not. With many people, probably there, not. And There's look, a Twitter user. Well, it's worth noting that that feature failed miserably. Right. <laughs> people were just agitated with it. There, there's a Twitter user. I can't remember. I'll, I'll get her name wrong, but it, it's Andrea Lopez. And she has a, um, her Twitter handle is Blue Choo Choo. And she rates his tweets when he tweets. She'll just quietly put the pill emoji, and she rates things on a rating of one to five amphetamines. Um, <laughs> and it's just this very quiet reaction. It's not a response or anything. It's just if you follow her feed, you know that she's sort of evaluating how hopped up on uppers he is. Right. And sort of each tweet gets that read. And she thinks about, like, is this an Android tweet? Is this from somewhere else? Right. So every now and then there'll be one that's like 100, 100 pills. Uh, because it's yeah. just a colossal mess. Look, you know, it's worth noting again that there are a lot of people who think he's tweeting really great. That it's about time someone... Someone said this. Someone said this and someone spoke this way. It's just, I, I find myself going to other places because my stream is so self-reinforcing. Sure. 
uh, to to the nth degree. That I just I just need to see what else is going on out there to understand it. Yes. Hello, my Hi. name is Anne. Um, my question, well, it's a little bit meta. I wanted to know or have you talk a little bit about creating falsehoods, you know, and in specifically I'm talking about the Bowling Green Massacre story that Kellyanne Conway made up. And I think that by mentioning it and by repeatedly mentioning it and the echo chamber that social media like Facebook and Twitter provides, that that fiction has now become a, a fact. There's actually record of this entity, this thing that never actually happened. And I'm curious to know what you think is the responsibility of companies like Twitter and Facebook um, regarding the health of our society by perpetuating these falsehoods. You know, from a product perspective, it's terrible to have everything be lies. Like, it's real bad. It's not cool. It's not good. Like, it's just like, then yeah. people can't trust anything. You know, we're in such a weird moment. Like, my mom lives in rural Maryland, and someone was talking to her and said that the march on Washington, the women's march, they were absolutely sure that it had been 500,000 transvestites. That's the quote, right? So that, that was how they saw and perceived that event. So the filter is so intense at that point. The amount of bad information that got in yeah. to say those two words and say that's, to say that number and that descriptor yeah. and assume that's what the march was like, you're up against a lot. It's not just Twitter at that point. Um, yeah, and, and I go back and forth on this because we observed it almost as spectators, all the fake news stuff and all the kind of crazy, you know, the Pope and, you know, endorses. Pope endorses all the Macedonian teenagers making things up that people right. want to read. And, but where I, from where I'm sitting, and almost everybody that I knew, everybody that I knew, wasn't duped. We saw it was ridiculous. This Bowling Green thing was ridiculous. You know, at what point do we have to just be able to rely on people's ability to look at a piece of information and render a judgment or go and probe it a little deeper to see if it's real or not? Or is it the job of the communication tool to take care of that for us? It's a pretty scary thing if we're going to rely on Twitter and Facebook to make sure the thing is true or not. I, I, you they're know, utterly unprepared. They're utterly unprepared. And on top of that, I think it's really important that our citizens do the legwork a little bit here and, and, and be in that position where they can determine whether something is real or not. Like, I wasn't duped. Yeah, this one here. Okay. Hello, yes. Uh, my name is Vincent. So uh, I have a question about specific type of tweets that uh, Trump sometimes does. It's when he calls out somebody's name very specifically. And maybe his tweet is not the worst part. It's the army of very fanatic people who will tweet death threats or give somebody's location or phone number and everything that happens after that. Do you think the platform has any responsibilities to deal with people who will actually, their lives might be affected by, by the army of extremists who follow Trump? I think the platform is actually, according to them, taking that responsibility. They are shutting off accounts that you know, whip others up into a frenzy where there are death threats and the like. I think what you have here is a special case. I think if you look at the rationale for other accounts that, that have been shut off, and apply them to him, he should be shut off, right? But I think what you have here is he's the president, there's 24 million followers, and the implications for the business, I think, are 
you know, giving them pause. I mean, I think it just locks everything together. I think, so, I think it's so hard to take this one apart. Yeah. If you're a business. Yeah. Like I mean, that. Megyn Kelly, the Fox correspondent was getting death threats because he was going after her because he was going after her, and he wasn't the one making those threats. It was just others following on. Right. But I don't think they'll do it. So should we take one more question and then call it a night? Go. My, uh, by the way, my name is Kemal Kumru. I come from Holland. And um, sometimes I think you need to just enforce it, just close the platform. Otherwise, on which side in history will you be on? Like, if you're going to just enforce it, just close it. Close the whole platform? Yeah, just close it down. Because there are a lot of trolls out there, just like you said, uh, putting other people in a frenzy. Uh, you don't know how it's going to spin off. Just like you said, it's like uh, stimulating chaos. Uh, do you really want that? At some point, you just need to enforce it, just like uh, diversity in uh, a company. Like, there's a quotum, uh, bringing women in. And some, uh, some other people will say, well, we're already uh, friendly to, uh, towards women, and they're coming uh, at a certain position, but they're still a glass ceiling. Sometimes you just need to enforce it, and it's like, it's done. We need to close it. Who do you think should close it? The government? Yeah, that's it. Who should close it? Well, the CEO. And then, then there will be no more Twitter. Or See, I love it. This is the one we, we didn't consider this. Yeah. Shut the whole thing down. So, yeah. I, honestly, what a great way to end this evening, right? Yeah. Like, that is the one big option yeah. that it's true. Americans would never suggest that. I'd probably talk to my kids more. Yeah. Oh, it'd be good for, honestly, everybody'd be happier. Yeah. We'd all start campfires in our own little yeah. houses. We'd so talk to each other. Yeah, we'd yeah. learn to love. I'm, I'm for it. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm I for it. I think that thinking at that scale and that challenge to kind of like a giant publicly traded company is great. Yeah. Like, why not? Why not shut, <laughs> shut the whole all damn down. thing down? <laughs> so we can cross our fingers <laughs> and see what happens. That's not a design solution, by the way. <laughs> it depends how it's done. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Could have a big party with some really nice invitations. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, so much for the first ever live recording of our podcast. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. And so, Rich, I thought that was a good conversation. I thought it was excellent, Paul. It was great to be both provocative and market our company. <laughs> uh, my name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, and you've been listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue. Get in touch with us at... Hello at postlight.com. And give us five stars on iTunes if you're so inclined. Thank you so much, and thank you so much to everyone here at the Education Summit for uh, IXDA 17. We appreciate your forbearance, and, and we're really glad you had us. Thank, thank you. you.